Hello and welcome to the I Know Nothing About Beer podcast. I am your host, Al the Brewer, and I am so glad you are listening today. This podcast is for anyone that wants to learn more about craft beer and the culture that surrounds it. Whether you're brand new to the scene or a vet of craft beer, I hope you find something to take away from this podcast. So, pour yourself a beer, pull up a bar stool, and enjoy. Cheers. Hello and welcome to the I Know Nothing About Beer podcast. How in the world are you doing out there in podcast land? Whoo! Hope you're doing all right. Um, I have had a bit of a week and I'm excited to be sitting down. Uh, I'm actually in the midst of editing this episode. But I was like, you know, I better record an intro for it. Uh, so I got to talk to Brian from Hop and Sting. And they're a great little brewery out in, not, they're not little, I'll say that, uh, out in Grapevine. And I got to talk to him about something I had kind of always wondered about, so contract brewing. And we go into what that means, different types of contract brewing that there are, um, all sorts of things. And it's it's one of those episodes that's just super informational. Um, we really hit beer the entire time. Not that my, my podcasts don't normally hit beer, um, but um, it's an episode that I feel like I just got so many questions answered, and it was so good to talk to someone that knew so much about it and has experience with it. Um, Hop and Sting have a great story. And they definitely um, have gone about things just a different way. And I love that. And I think that every brewery has like their own like unique story of how they came to be. Um, because they're small businesses. No two small businesses are exactly the like. And uh, yeah, it's it's just a really, really cool episode. Um Take a listen. Uh, it's it doesn't run too long. I know the last couple of episodes I've I've been running a little long. But this one doesn't run as long as the other ones, and it's just really packed with information. And if you're a brewer listening to this and have questions about contract brewing, um, he does a great explanation of what it is. Uh, if you are like me and just a consumer, um, or only on the consumer side, um, I hope you enjoy this because this opened up a world of of what uh, a whole other side of what. Uh, the brewing industry is. So, okay. Um, I sent out a little update just a little bit ago. I hope you got that episode because I just switched providers and I'm now using Podbean and I hope it's working. I really do. I really hope it's working. We'll see. If you're getting this, then it worked. Yay. If you didn't, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but uh, the I want to tell everybody season three is coming to a close. This isn't the season three ender. Um, but we are going to be coming to close sooner than later. I think I've only got like two more episodes left or so. Um, so yeah, give, uh, give this one a listen. It's a fun one. I think you're going to enjoy it. Keep an eye out on the, I know nothing about beer, uh, podcast feed because still some more coming down the line and, um, Follow me on the Instagrams, the Twitters, all that. If you find like you're getting anything out of this podcast, uh, if you're um, finding out that like you're you're learning stuff or that you just enjoy this podcast, would you just do me a favor and leave me a review on iTunes or um, if you can leave <laughs> reviews on other sites or just uh, let me know how I'm doing. Um, if you're like, hey, I really like this, but don't like this, let me know. 
Um, with season three coming to close, I'm always looking to try to improve this podcast. And so, uh, yeah, we'd love to know your thoughts. Uh, Al the Brewer at gmail.com, Al the Brewer, Twitter, and all that other good jazz. So, okay, um, I'm, I'm rambling and I need to get going and finish editing this episode. So, everyone, have a good rest of the day. Thank you so much for listening. I so appreciate you. And cheers. Right. Hello and welcome to the I Know Nothing About Beer podcast. How are you doing out there in podcast land? I'm excited for today. I have one half of Hop and Sting Brewing with me right now. Mr. Brian, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Man, I'm doing well. Um, I am so excited to have you on the podcast tonight. Part of why I'm so excited is that um, I get to ask you some questions that I've always had about a certain part of brewing, contract brewing, um, which I know you guys do over at Hop and Sting, right? Correct. Awesome. Um, so I want to get into that a little bit, um, but um, first what I want to want to ask you, and this is kind of what I always start off my podcast with, is um, what are you drinking? And tell me your own personal craft, uh, personal history of you and craft beer. Does that make sense? I know I totally screwed that question. I probably should do another take, but this is just not one of those types of podcasts. So oh, we're perfect. just going to roll. Uh, well, I'm, I'm currently drinking uh, Aluminum Cowboy. It's mm-hmm. our, uh, our, my uh, best or our best attempt at a, an American light lager. Okay. Uh, although unlike your, your typical uh, American light lager, we don't use any adjunct. So, so as we all have uh, seen from, was it a couple of years ago where, you know, was it, <laughs> Anheuser-Busch and Miller Coors got in a big fight about who uses rice, who uses corn syrup and all that stuff. Well, we don't use either. This is a, you know, 100% uh, malted barley. Um, and it's a real true lager. I mean, we actually, this this sits in, in the tank no less than six weeks. Wow. Uh, yeast and um, all that fun stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it was a challenging beer to make, a lot of fun to make, and a lot of people who get into craft beer, you know, look down upon, you know, American light lagers, but you know, there's, uh, you know, when you, uh, uh, you know, been around long enough, you kind of, you, you want to, you want to try to do something new and different that you're not used to. And, and, uh, this was a challenge. It was a lot of fun and not to mention it's a, you know, we're in Texas, it's a thousand degrees outside nine months out of the year. So you might as well have a beer that's uh, nice and crushable and, that also doesn't put a thousand pounds on your gut. <laughs> um, yeah, it is a, a um, I'll say this. It is just a bit warm outside. We just hit, what is it? We're just now getting just under a hundred after the last couple days. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, also. Okay. So just in case anybody is listening and, and you use the word adjunct. So there's this, I, I talked a little bit about this in the podcast released just a couple of weeks ago but um adjuncts mean so there's this fun little law called the reinheitsgebot which Mm -hmm. means that beer in general it's not really but in general it means that beer shouldn't be more than hops water yeast and barley and so when you add things other than that that's called an adjunct and if you're i'm not a huge football fan but i do watch the super bowl so i get what you're talking about with that with that um reference but but um, what you were saying was that, um, as a lot of American light lagers use, they'll add in rice or corn syrup, which 
is really helpful in fermentation, helps mm -hmm. out how quickly you ferment a beer, and it adds a very crisp taste to it. Um, that's why you'll have a lot of um, like Japanese beers uh, use rice because it adds this crispness to it. Mm -hmm. um, but um, you also, quote, lose a lot of that multi flavor Absolutely. if you're replacing rice or corn syrup because it turns sweeter. And so for you to say, like, we're actually using like a true lager, meaning also you're letting it sit in the tank for seven weeks, six, seven mm -hmm. weeks, that mm -hmm. is a lot of rent uh, that that beer is paying <laughs> yeah. uh, in your, your brewery. Yeah. yeah. But luckily it. it's starting to move fast enough. And we have, so you, you've been to the brewery, so you, you know, we have uh, a relatively large, you know, yeah. setup compared to how young we are as a brewery. So uh, we have, so it's kind of a kind of cool. Cause like I can fill up one of those really large tanks in there and let them let the beer sit in there. And then you know, I can just, once it's done, I can just take what I need off of it and just, you know, you know, kind of, uh, that way, it's like I can utilize the size of the tanks and 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 be efficient with it, and and still, you know, uh, get what I need for the beer. So uh, gotcha. it kind of works gotcha. out, you know. Nice, yeah. And your guys' facility, um, it is not small. Um, the the tasting room, the beer garden, and the inside. Um, and I know that right now we're in the midst of COVID, so let me just give a timestamp here. Mm -hmm. We're you know, July sixteenth. And so uh, we've had another round of kind of lockdowns on places that are the 51% or more serving alcohol, things like that. So I know you can't really have too many people at the at the tap room or anything like that. But you right. guys have a great facility. I mean, seriously, it is so cool. You have a big glass wall where you can see uh, the brew house, uh, all the fermenters, everything that goes into making the beer is very mm – -hmm. well, it's, it's very visible. It's mm -hmm. very – apart from everybody else, which I kind of enjoy <laughs> because yeah. uh, one, my wife enjoys not being around all that hot, smelly equipment, as she would put it. Mm -hmm. um, but two, then you're also, um, uh, it, it, it just kind of makes this nice little barrier that uh, makes it seem like, ooh, there's the cool like stuff on the other side. Yeah, you know? uh, it, it, yeah. it is kind of cool. And we got, we got really lucky, uh, I guess lucky and unlucky in some ways, uh, so like we, we had the, uh, like our original plan was to have a relatively small, uh, kind of brew pub type setup, kind of very similar to what, uh, I see you have a turning point hat on. So very similar to their setup, very similar to, uh, uh, you know, that maybe, yeah, the celestial guys, I mean, they're kind of that small, a little bit, I mean, they're not super, super small, but they're, but they're much smaller than us. So it's much more kind of approachable type of setup for you know a, a new brewery just kind of getting going and um so we had some uh opportunities to we we're originally going to be in denton and we had a property there that was you know we we had the construction documents ready to go and you know every you know you know interviewing contractors and then we just had a falling out with the landlord and then we had to change plans and then and then we, gotcha. we had the same concept that we we're going to put in Carrollton, and then you know the you know, again, right to the point where we're about to start hiring contractors, we had fallen out with the landlord and we had to bail and we yeah. almost gave up. We, um, and then kind of coincidentally the, um, so both John and I, and also there's a third partner, his name's Lane. Uh, <laughs> all three of us at various different times have worked for Grapevine Craft Brewery. And, 
And they're at, so right around the time we were getting Hoppenstein going and kind of, you know, missing out on these other two locations, you know, yeah. they were going on tough times and, and uh, mm-hmm. they kind of had a consolidation of their ownership group. And, and, and they were, they weren't sure if they were going to try to stick it out, maybe switch to a brew pub license or, or sell or, or, or whatnot. So as we were kind of just floating around, not knowing what to do, uh, we kind of, uh, they kind of let all their staff go, but they still try to keep that tap room going because I mean, that tap room by itself is, as, as you know, is, you know, popular enough venue that it can probably, it, it for the most part pays the bills, like as far as like the overhead. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, so they asked us, Hey, you know, you want to, uh, you know, maybe help us brew our beers. So brew the old, you know, grapevine beers, which we have experience brewing, you know, John and I, you know, we're, uh, two of the brewers on record when Sir Williams won the gold medal at GABF and, uh, Oh, congrats. Yeah. Man. So, um, so we, so we, so we knew their, their recipes as well as anybody. So we could jump in and I actually helped, uh, me and another guy helped, but we actually were the ones that helped put that that setup that's now in Grapevine that we have now, we, we helped put everything together. And so like, we know everything about it. And uh, so, so we were helping them out. We're there, you know, so we helped them brew and they were going to let us brew our beer there kind of as a contract brew relationship or all chain proprietorship until they figured out what they wanted to do. And they eventually asked us if we want, just wanted to buy it from them and mm-hmm. kind of made us an offer we couldn't refuse. So, but that's kind of a double-edged sword. I, I told you it was kind of a good thing and a bad thing. Well, it's a good thing that I mean, we got a, an amazing facility, you know, for like no money down. So basically they just said, hey, you know, we'll just uh, let you guys just pay us a monthly payment. You know, cause they, they took their ownership, turned it into a loan. Like, so they're like our bank now. And gotcha. uh, so we just basically moved in and, and just, you know, hopefully – we're good enough brewers that we can, you know, and sell enough beer that we can pay the rent and then, and then pay them a monthly payment. So, but now we're this fledgling brewery with this gigantic facility. It's very hard to fill tanks. Mm. Um, uh, and like, like, so basically we just had to figure out a way, okay, we need to figure out how to wait, not only to make our product, get our product launched, but also pay the bills. So, um, well, we, we started doing the contract growing, so I guess that's probably a good segue into what some of the questions you wanted to ask. Well, man, I mean, you just hit up all the questions I was going to ask. I mean, you know, uh, the only other thing, I mean, well, the other thing is, like, how did you get into craft beer? Uh, for me, um, yeah. uh, so I was a, I used to be a, a marine biologist, so I have, I have a science background. I spent most of my adult life after college. So I spent about 12 years working on commercial fishing vessels in the Bering Sea in North Pacific. So if you've ever seen the deadliest catch or, you know, shows like that, I, that's the environment I used to work in. Okay. Okay. Real quick. What does a marine biologist do on those ships or were you just one of the guys catching? Oh, well, so, uh, so it was my job to, I worked alongside the guys who were catching the fish and, Uh, so it was my job to keep track of what they were catching, how much of what they were catching and, you know, and, and, and also kind of collected data on, you know, where they were fishing, uh, whatever marine mammals and endangered species they might've interacted with at the time to, to make sure there was, um, no significant environmental impact they were making. 
And most of it, so all this data just kind of accumulated and it kind of helps the, uh, the federal government manage the different fisheries up there yeah. on a, sure. on a yearly basis or seasonal basis even. And, um, so, and so the North Pacific Bering Sea fishing industry in the United States is probably one of the healthiest, most productive fishing industries. Uh, in the world. Awesome. Awesome. What is a more stressful, um, a, 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 a brew kettle that's about to boil over or a you know st- storm out on the Bering Sea um more stressful um well probably a storm on the Bering Sea I mean a boil oh, over well, and a <laughs> you were yeah, to say well, the thing I was about to say you you took that job too lightly man <laughs> well no well, yeah boil over is, is nothing like I mean if that sometimes if that happens I might yeah there's a risk I might get burned uh mm. but you know but luckily on my system, I, I have a boilover sensor. So as the foam starts building oh, okay. up and it hits the sensor, it just cuts everything off. So okay. for me, it, it's not a big deal. But I tell you what, though, is I'll I'll take a, a storm in the Bering Sea any day over sitting in DFW rush hour traffic any day. <laughs> OK, see, and I'm from Los Angeles, the, the L.A. area. So I look at the traffic here. I'm like, that's eh, OK. You know, it's just a little, mm-hmm. you know, there's no like I've been on the the 405 the the sepulveda pass like the the one way to go north in la mm-hmm. and um i've been on that road and had a uh, like a two and a half hour trek to go like maybe 15 miles or something like that with no other way to like there's no other there's no quicker way and so yeah. uh, when i'm on 183 or on the 30 here um you know my californian comes out when i start talking about highways because i call it the you know mm-hmm. the 183 or, or or the 30 here, I, uh, I just, I just kind of go, yeah, it's not LA, but I'll still, you know, it's still, it's still pretty good traffic. Yeah. 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 John, uh, if he ever jumps on, he's, he's a California guy too. So he's, uh, he grew up in Anaheim and, uh, and went to college in North, yeah. uh, Northern California. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so, so you were, uh, marine biologist, sorry, I cut you off there a little bit. Marine biologist spent yeah. 12 years. Yeah, so- yeah. So, um, yeah, so I have a science background and then I, uh, uh, but of course being, I mostly worked out of the Pacific Northwest. So, you know, so, you know, mostly around Washington state, Oregon and Alaska, which is, you know, some of the best craft beer, you know, in the world, uh, at least, you know, during the, the, you know, the better part of the you know, early to mid two thousands, the time mm-hmm. I was up there. Um, so, you know, so I drank a lot of craft beer, and, you know, eventually started going to the festivals and stuff like that. You know, I kind of started dabbling in home brewing a little bit, you know, so, so you start to get that bug. Um, so, and, and then of course I traveled a lot. So, you know, like, you know, I travel all over the country, you know, travel to, you know, different countries all over the world. And, you know, so as you're traveling, you, you want to try the, you know, the local beers, if there's a brewery mm-hmm. that you have an opportunity to revisit, you know, I, you know, I always try to make a point to do that. And, uh, but eventually, you know, so make a long story short, I, you know, like most young men, I, you know, I, you know, you know, got myself engaged or, uh, and, uh, the gal that I was engaged with, she and I was, we dated on and off for, you know, a few years. And it was one of those things where she kind of, you know, gave me an ultimatum, either I, you know, stop working on boats and, and come move to Texas where she was living you know, or we weren't going to make it. So it's, so I'm like, all right, well, I guess it's time for me to, uh, to, 
to retire from the boats and, you know, kind of make a move for her. Uh, so I, you know, moved to Dallas and, you know, of course I can't be a marine biologist in Dallas, at least not very well. I'm guessing many, many of those here. Yeah. So, uh, so she, uh, knew that I like beer and, you know, was kind of at least toying with the idea of getting into the brewing industry. And, uh, she just sent my resume out to, you know, all the breweries that were operated at the time, which weren't, weren't that many. I think this was in 2000, 2014, I think. So, uh, so I think there was only like, a probably about a half a dozen or so. And Grapevine just happened to be one of the places that she sent my resume to. And I just, uh, I got a call and, uh, from the, the old owner of Grapevine and he was looking for some part-time help and, and I got the job. So, and that's kind of, that was my path to working in a brewery. And I, I started at the the bottom. I was making nine fifty an hour part-time, uh, cleaning kegs, <laughs> sweeping the yep. floor, uh, yep. you know, stacking kegs, uh, you know, whatever job they, whatever menial job that nobody else wanted to do. I was the one that was doing it and this kind of slowly, but surely I, you know, was, I asked questions. I learned a little bit more. I learned how to, you know, clean tanks. I learned how to fill kegs. I learned how to, you know, do packaging. I learned how to, uh, learn how to filter beer and everything like that. So it's, you know, just slowly but sure, just working my way up whatever, wherever I could do it. And, um, and that's where I met John. John was the uh, assistant brewer there at the time. And you know, he had just mm-hmm. got out of, uh, brewer school at the master, uh, uh, master brewers guild. And, okay. uh, so he, and he did some internship at Rar and Sons. So, so he had a lot, a little bit more experience. So he was much more knowledgeable. And so I, I learned a lot from John, but yeah, but that was slowly just worked my way up. And as you know, John left probably about, you know, nine months into my term there. And then I kind of was stepped up to take over his role after he left. And then, um, yeah, just kept learning, kept growing. Yeah. Then, um, so contract brewing, I, I'll, I'll let you know, here's what I know about contract brewing and you can, you can start, uh, correct me and tell me, you know, wrong, right, wherever it is from what I, what I've been told from what I've read up, it is, you know, brewer a either doesn't have a facility, can't afford a facility, something, but still needs to get beer out there. There's a lot of really fun licensing, um, regulations in texas and you can't sell your home brew so you go hey who's willing to do this for me is that about right uh you're close so there so there's two different licenses that so there's contract brewing which you mentioned and there is an mm-hmm. alternative proprietorship uh so a contract brew relationship is if there's uh an, an ex- already existing brewery that's fully licensed has a facility um, or at least has a license at a, an existing facility, uh, they need capa- extra capacity to brew a product. And so they um, will contract, you know, contract another brewery to make their product for them. Uh, gotcha. So a good example would be, um, so I guess, uh, so before, uh, you know, we took over that facility, you know, one of the, the the main beers being brewed there was Deep Ellum uh, Dallas Blonde, and oh, so I, Deep uh, Ellum their own facility, yeah. and and this and and they had just bought a brand new system and got that operational last year, 
And but but before that, they you know they needed a place to you know I mean obviously you know their beers are high demand and they're uh, and they have a lot of uh, need to get stuff out. So you know so why not have you know Grapevine that didn't need all their space because they were kind of starting to you know fall back a little bit. So they made a deal. They uh, contracted Grapevine to make their beer. So you know probably a large percentage of the draft. Dallas Blonde that hit the, the the DFW market, you know, a few years ago was brewed out of Grapevine. Uh, yeah. so, okay. so that's so that's a contract brew relationship. And, and usually, you know, you know, nine times out of ten, the the brewers that are employed by the 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 contract brewer, like the, the brewery that's doing the brewing, their brewers have mm-hmm. to make um so now there's an alternating proprietorship where that's if you're like the the new new brewery that's um you know trying to get going and you don't have your own facility and so what you would do so this is like you've probably heard the term gypsy brewing yeah uh so that's basically what this is so a gypsy brewer is, is a brewer that doesn't have their own facility their own licensed facility so they go to other breweries that may have excess space and then they just, you know, make a deal with them to uh, basically get their brewer's license at their facility uh, to start brewing their product and get it to market. So, so we actually did that when we started out, we did it with uh, three nations. So three nations at the time, you know, they, uh, it was just before they kind of blew up and got real big and we're good friends with them. We all work together. And actually, you know, their old facility in Farmer's Branch used to be the original Grapevine Craft Brewery. And uh, and Gavin was actually a substitute brewer working there uh, when I first got hired. So I actually, so so Gavin was one of the brewers that, that trained me as I was getting going. Uh, so mm. we all, all met there. We worked together and we, and we all remained really good friends. Uh, so, That's you know, Gavin, he, he knew that we were on tough times throughout threw us a lifeline and we kind of made a deal where our first, I think our first three batches of beer were brewed at his facility. Uh, but, but it was under our license, you know, you know, so we were able to have a, an alternating proprietorship at his brewery. All right. So, so, so that's the kind of the main difference. So contract brewing is there's an existing brewery with an existing license of a, of a licensed facility yep. that's brewing at, at a second brewery. Uh, alternating proprietorship is there's no it, there was no pre-existing brewery. You make a deal to where you you basically are you claim the host brewery as your brewery of your facility. It's your address. It's your permanent lo- well permanent location you know quote unquote uh, in the in the eyes of the federal eyes of the 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 federal government and the state government. Um, well, uh, and okay. then that. Yeah, yeah. And, and a fun thing, too, is so you can have an alternating proprietorship at at brewery A and then go off and have a contract brew relationship at brewery B elsewhere. So, I mean, you can do that's an interesting. So you don't really have to have your actual brick and mortar brewery to you know start a brewery. You could, you know, get going with an AP. You know, let's say you got a buddy that's got, you know, uh, that will just I mean, honestly, you can just bring your, your homebrew set over to your buddy's licensed brewery, start, get your license there, start brewing that, and then go to a contract brewery and then mm-hmm. you know, 
start doing big batches there if you really want to. And you don't yeah. have to worry about coming up with millions of dollars to build a you know, your own facility. Yeah, because I've heard that uh, building a brewery is a little expensive. It can, you know, it can, it can be. It can, yeah, yeah, and and which also makes me like it just makes me more um it just makes the story more crazy about like you just being able to come in and just take over grapevine what was previously grapevine brewing and so mm-hmm. let me give a little let's just do a quick little history on that as well that there was this grapevine brewing out in grapevine texas that's what we're talking about right now um and that they built this really cool brewery they had a spot in farmer's branch for a while then they moved over to the grapevine um mm-hmm. and then that was then then you then took over that um that spot and in the meantime you were even con i mean ap uh alternating proprietorship over at three nations plus contract mm-hmm. brewing out of grapevine so you you've done literally all of it yeah pretty much and and you you would be quite surprised to know how much interconnectivity our small little group who started off at that original farmer's branch facility like mm-hmm. if, you, if you did like the the six was it the six degrees of kevin bacon kind of thing it's like you we have a there's a significant footprint at some of the most some of the biggest breweries in the state of texas you know uh from that so gotcha. it's kind of, kind of a lot of fun there was a, there was a really good group of people there so and that's one of the things like i don't want you I, you know feel for, you know i don't want to press you to say anything about who is who has done contract brewing, who's, who doesn't, I don't really care about that. Um, I'm more, I, I love to know that, that, that is just like such a viable option, you know, that there's like this group of people that have all like quote, been through each other's, you know, brew systems and mm-hmm. have, have done that so much. Cause I know, uh, several breweries that have done contract brewing. I don't know where they've done it at. Um, and it's, I've always seen it as, as a cons- consumer as like oh okay cool so someone's really trying to step it up um yeah because you know i know and it, it kind of gives you the like oh you should be on the lookout for when they're ready to go and open mm-hmm. a spot um because I, I know a, a guy in, in um a california that uh really renowned home brewers made up his own beer uh made his own recipe that um he then started contracting out with several other brewers in that area and you know his recipe got sold and now that is just a beer that they're you know trying to sell out as just like its own its own beer so it can work out um in so many different ways absolutely um yeah um so if someone is thinking about contract brewing um well let me let me before i get to that um so in contract brewing the people from the brewery are actually coming over to make that beer or is that that's uh what's called um so, so the alternative proprietorship is so 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 they uh, so they would they would actually come to the host brewery and they would be the ones making their beer. And the, and in, the they contract, also- in the contract brewery relationship, the the brewers employed by the host brewery have to make the beer. Gotcha. Now, now there, no, there there might be some situations where there can be some overlap mm-hmm. for each relationship, but that's kind of depends on the situation and, and it depends on the, you know, where you're at, what the, what the laws are and, uh, and what deals you can make with the, uh, the host brewery. Gotcha. Um, now 
does that include just brewing or also the ferment the fermenting process as well? Because oh yeah, you know, it's all it's all one and the same. Okay, gotcha. Because I could just imagine like it's you know you've got this you're doing this you know uh, alternating proprietorship AP brewing deal and for some reason it's around Christmas time and now you're calling up your buddies going okay whose turn is it to like check on the fermenters um, because the people that own the brewery quote own the brewery aren't going to do that for you you know yeah. There's that. Yeah. There's even some other odd, odd brewery setups or relationships where there's so there's kind of different breweries that are kind of in between these where it's like uh, there's some breweries that like just have fermenters. So they, they'll, they'll they'll hire a contract brewery to make the wort. OK. And they'll, then they'll truck the wort over to this basically this uh, warehouse full of fermenters. And then that brewery will ferment their own beer. They'll, if it's an IPA, they'll they'll dry hop it how they want to dry hop it. They'll they'll add fruit to it like they want to add fruit to it. If they want to, you know, infect it with lactose or bread or whatever like that, they'll do that there. And there's other ones that they don't even have that. Like they just have barrels. So like so then they'll, so they'll contract a brewery to make like a stock beer yeah. that they put in their barrels. And like so that's so all all that you have at this 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 one you know brewing facility is just barrels. And they're just, you know, putting beer in barrels and they're aging barrels and they're making some amazing stuff. That's wow. they're never not brewing at their facility they're, but they're, they're, I mean, they're, they're just kind of, you know, doing that next step. And it's, so there's these interesting ways to, um, to make really good and or interesting beers. Mm -hmm. You know, when you, if you don't have that, all the, you know, all the money that you might need to start a traditional brewery or, or maybe you don't have the space to have all the equipment. Uh, yeah. But there's different, different kind of, if you, if you're, you know, if you can think outside the box and if you, you know, have certain flexibilities with your concept, I mean, you can, you can have, I mean, your own place, your own setup and have your own kind of stamp on the industry just by, you know, just taking advantage of these different situations. And it's kind of a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of people are making some great products. So okay, let me let me break that down just a little bit because um, again, I try to make this a, as educational as possible. And so you said a couple of words that I'm like, okay, let me just throw this back out there. When you say malt, so beer is is brewed. It's like a giant tea. You take grain, you heat it up, you mm -hmm. you put it in what's called hot liquor or hot water. Um, mm -hmm. You brew brew that grain like a tea. And then yeah. you filter that out, and what comes out of that is wort. Now that, that's where you add hops. That's um, not where you're adding the yeast yet, and so that is what you call um, the wort, and that is like pre-beer. And so what you're talking about there with just the fermenters is they would truck that pre-beer, take it mm -hmm. to these small cylindrical uh, vessels, and put that pre-beer in there, you add in the yeast, and now you technically have beer, and you let that ferment. And exactly. generally at a brewery, there's this really fun Tetris of how to place the brewing, we'll say brew kit, your kettle, uh, your hot liquor tank, and things like that, mm -hmm. and where you put all your fermentation tanks around, and then you put where you're going to put your barrels, and it's this really fun Tetris that you see the brewers like yeah. sketching out on notepads and things like that. And you're talking about, well, there's just a big room full of fermenters. So if you can get that wart into a truck, get it over there and pop it in. And I immediately start thinking of like all the different problems that you could have between those oh, areas. Yeah. And then just a big giant room. So after you're done fermenting, 
for people that want like that barrel aged taste, there's literally, you literally take that now beer, put it into a barrel, let it sit for a while. And what you're talking about is that they're just warehouses filled with barrels of other people's beer just kind of mm -hmm. next to each other. Also, you don't want to screw up the barcodes on that one because you don't want to start shipping the wrong beer to the wrong place and, and things like that. Oh, yeah. man. Different kinds of, and sometimes it's, it's, it's I mean, it, sometimes it's just someone else's one facility. So it's like, it's, so it's their product. So let's say there's, you know, XYZ brewery and mm -hmm. let's say it's in Austin and it, yep. they, 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 all, they got a really small, let's say a 2000 foot space and all they have room for is the fermenters. They, there's no, there's no gas going in the facility. There's no, they, they just have enough power going in to do the, the, yeah. the glycol and the, uh, on the chiller going to keep the tanks go. So, 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 uh -huh. so, so they're producing one product or one brand. So, so let's say it's, you know, this brewery. I mean, so it's all their beer. So you want, you want the work. It's not so much a, you know, you got to separate, you know, you know, XYZ brewery and ABC brewery and Joe Schmo brewery all in the same. And there might be setups like that, but I think that might just get complicated, but there's just some breweries. It's, it's just one brewery and all they got is tank. So it's, probably not so much of a, that kind of whirlwind of like having to, you know, keep track of who's, whose tank is what and all this stuff. But, uh, but there's, there's a way to do that. I mean, that's, that's basically what you have to do at a, at a, at a contract brewery facility. Cause I know yeah. when, when I was with Grapevine, they were starting to do a lot of contract brewing. So they had, I mean, when I was there, so we not only had our brands to manage and keep track of, but there was that, I think before I left, there was, at least three other brands that we had to kind of keep track of, uh, make space for in our cooler. So, so yeah, so, so not only do you have to keep track of the, the beer that's in the tanks and who's what company that belongs to, but you also have to, you know, keep everybody's cake separate, everybody's ingredients separate, and also yeah. everybody's final packaged product separate. Because, you know, with, with especially here in Texas, the, the, the TABC or like the, the governing body that manages the alcohol in the state, they, they will do visits to the brewery and if, if they see you know you know three different breweries product in one cooler but it's all mix and match and, and there's it's yeah, all kind yeah. of together then you might get a fine gotcha gotcha yeah the tabc um i if anybody from the tabc is listening i would love to interview someone from your crew like that is a goal of mine is to interview someone mm -hmm. from the tabc but it is I, I do not, I, I'm not, I, I don't think I'm ever going to be jealous of someone that works for the TABC. Anytime. Oh, you know what, they're, they're usually very nice, if not relatively cool people. Uh, they, you know, like, you know, we, I, I, I used to work, like my fisheries job was, you know, I did a lot of work for the, with the federal government. Uh, mm -hmm. John used to work for, um, uh, at, for uh, you know, local governments as far as, he used to be an environmental scientist managing that yeah. natural gas uh, wells and stuff in the area so so we've all dealt with you know kind of government bureaucracies on a personal level and, yeah. and we know how hard those jobs are like like we don't like anytime that we're frustrated with tabc from a regulatory standpoint we mm -hmm. it's never towards the people we like we know how hard their jobs are you know we're not going to sit there and like when we're and, and cuss somebody out because you know you know they you know, they have to do an audit on us or something like that um so it's you know it's, so it's 
yeah, they, they got a tough job and it's in rules change. And every time a rules change, you know, they, they got to deal with all the, they're, they're the first, you know, first line, you know, dealing with the, whether it's a brewery or a bar or a restaurant or something like that, whoever they got to manage, it's just, uh, it's just, it's just a tough thing. And, uh, I, but you most of them in my experience are really nice people and they, they work hard and they just, they just try and do their job. And that's, I'm really glad to hear that because I, I, as a, as a consumer and my my short times working here in the the craft beer industry in Texas, um, I've heard many a different word used around TABC, um, and everything from what you're saying and and even more gracious to I'll say a lot less gracious. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I I I understand what you're what you're saying, um, and I would again I would love to talk to someone from there. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I would love to get a little bit of their story, especially someone that decides like, hey, I want to work on the regulation side of 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 alcohol. Like, I would love to hear how they got into that, because I think that's always that would be a really interesting story. Um, that would be. Yeah. Um, okay. So back to contract contract brewing, AP brewing. Um, how long do these generally last? Is it hey, as soon as the beer's done and out of the firm, it's fermentation tanks, it's done, you know, or uh, it's packaged, it's you're over. Or does it generally last like, hey, we're going to go for this many rounds of brewing? Or is it like, hey, between this time and this time, we're going to just brew. We need you to brew this, 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 this. It, it depends on the situation. You know, if somebody came to us and say, I, I just need you to brew one batch of beer for me. Um, mm-hmm. It's it, it's not very – it's not an ideal situation for either side because, I mean, it, it takes a few months to – you know, get a license, a contract brew license. I mean, you still have to get a permit with, with the, with the TTB and the TABC. So TTB is the federal version of the TABC. So they do a lot of regulatory stuff on that end as well. So, so you, you still have to go through that process. It's just, a, you know, it's a little bit different. Uh, but so, so it still takes a few months to do. Um, so, so, so just to do one batch of beer, it's, it's, it, it's, you know, but, but I mean, it's possible. If so, I mean, I, I can see that happening. And, and if it's, if someone really wants to go through that process just for one batch of beer, you know, we, you know, assuming we have the, the, the tank space to give them at the time, then, you know, we're open to those kind of deals. But, but typically they, I think they, typically they last at least a year, uh, okay. six, six months on the short end, but, you know, ideally a year. Cause that's, you know, it's, it's just works for both sides so well because if 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 the uh, the guest brewery uh, you know mm-hmm. has to go through all that process to, and the cost to get a permit at that location, they want to try to. You probably want to get the most bang for the buck with that yeah. with that process. So so you probably want to try to get as much brews at, at that facility as you can, and then you can always you know re up that contract if you want to. You don't have to worry about going through that process again. But, but typically our average contract, you know, we, we, we do contracts for, for one year, one calendar year. And, um, and then, at, you know, once we get close to the end of that contract, we, we reach out to the, our guest brewery and, you know, you know, depending on, you know, if, if we have the, the space and desire to keep that relationship going, we'll reach out to them and do you, you guys want to keep going on this? Uh, you know, if not, then, you know, you probably, we, we want to give them enough time to find another facility. Uh, mm-hmm. or, or they're going to go out, or if their facility is ready to go, they they have enough opportunity to do that. Um, but yeah, we try to yeah. we try to be as flexible as we can. It's it's not always perfect, um, 
but you know, that's just kind of the nature of contract brewing and alternative proprietorships is you, you kind of, I mean, uh, unless the brewery, at least unless the host brewery is only a contract brewery and there's a few of those out there, we're, mm-hmm. we're kind of that, that mix. So we, we contract brew, you know, basically to fill the, the tank real estate that we're not using at any given time. So that's why we don't have that many big contracts. Um, so basically, basically when we're slow, we, you know, the slower we are, the, you know, the more opportunity for another brewery to come in there and grow. But, you know, but if we are growing and we need the, you know, the, the space, then of course we're going to be, our, our product is going to be the priority in most cases. Yeah. yeah. And um, I think but, that's, but unless there is, you know, sorry uh, to interrupt, but, no. but there are some cases where uh, we did this with a brewery that was with us recently. They, they needed a specific amount, a minimum of beer of theirs each month. So, we, so, mm-hmm. so part of their contract, we would basically discuss, okay, you know, you need X amount of beer per month. Okay. Then if we, if we, if we're going to, you know, set aside this space and sacrifice our production for you, mm-hmm. we just have, there's just different add-ons to the contract. The contract's a little bit more strict. Uh, usually there's a, you know, a, a probably a, a deposit that's laid down or, or a slightly larger mm-hmm. deposit. And then of course they have to meet those minimums as well. They can't just say, I need, you know, 200 barrels of beer a month, but they're only, but they only brew a hundred. Well, we're setting aside a, that extra hundred barrels, you know, that, that, yeah. you know, you, that can't happen. So, so yeah, basically they, they have to make sure that they're meeting that, those goals, if, 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 if that's the case. So it's just a lot of things and it, this depends on the relationship that we have and or with or what other brewery has with their their clients and it's just kind of a revolving thing i got you and that's the other thing to remember in all this is that it is someone's brewery first that this other person is using so you also got to remember that that person that brewery needs to be able to have like yes i can sacrifice this you know fermentation or this brewing time um, because depending on the brewery, I mean, I know a buddy of mine in California um, that, I mean, he's he's almost brewing in the, the not the 24-hour level, but he's doing more brewing than not during the day. So yeah. then it's also finding out, hey, do we have time to fit you into here or here? Or, okay, if we're going to take you on, now where does this fit within the brewing schedule? Um, and for anybody listening, if, if you ever want to see a timetable that has more race marks in it ask for a brewer about their brewer schedule um and then what's getting moved where and how this one's getting moved and mm-hmm. you know because things happen and now we need to move the ipa up or now we're getting to move this other one because we've got these ingredients um it, i'm yeah. not saying that it's that it's it's I, i'm saying that that is something that is um that i don't think people think about generally if you haven't been behind the scenes or if you're not in this type of situation where you know what you're going to be brewing also affects what someone else needs to be brewing absolutely and all of it too is that there's a lot of people that that just don't know how hard it is like they like you 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 you, well it's we try to make it very easy at least as easy as we can for like the smaller especially the smaller breweries that that come to work with us, 
uh, we try to make it as easy as of a process as possible for them to kind of get going. Uh, but one thing we try to stress with them is, is that, you know, that this is hard and, and at their size, I mean, they, they, they shouldn't expect this. At, if, they're, if you're looking for a, a, you know, a get rich quick scheme in craft beer, you ain't going to find it. It ain't uh, happening anyway. Any um, get rich in craft beer. <laughs> yeah. And also, and if, and, 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 or if you think this is, that it's going to be easy, that, that, that you're, yeah. so a lot of people who get into craft beer, it's like they're, they're longtime home brewers who just love their beer, love making beer. And, mm-hmm. and that's great. But sometimes turning your hobby into your career is not what it's always cracked up to be because there, there's so much more work involved. You're, you have to deal with all the regulation, you know, the, the, the cleanup and time is mm-hmm. on a larger scale. There's, there, the equipment is bigger and more expensive. So the maintenance is, uh, is, takes oh, more yeah. time, more costly. And it's like, so if you're just, you know, want to come in and, and just kind of, you know, play around like you might have done in your garage or your barn, it's not the same thing. And, 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 and when you make a mistake in your, on your homebrew setup, you might be, I mean, worst case, you might be out, you know, maybe a uh, hundred bucks worth of ingredients, if that, uh, you know, that's a beer. Yeah. Um, and but like if you make a mistake on you know a, a larger scale, I mean you could be out a couple thousand dollars. Uh, yeah. Or or if you or if you damage a piece of someone else's equipment, you know you I mean that's that's problematic too. So there's so much more stress. Plus you guys sell the beer. I mean you might yeah. be home brewing, and I mean your your buddy and your next door neighbor, you know they might tell you your beer is great. Um, you still got to sell it. You know there's. You know, like, like I mentioned before, you know, Grapevine, you know, when John and I were with Grapevine, and, and actually we still make the beer, it's their Sir Williams Brown Ale. You know, it's, yep. you know, that it's a two-time Great American Beer Fest medal winner. That's one of the most prestigious beer competitions in the world. And, and that beer is arguably the best English-style Brown Ale, you know, being made in the country. Mm-hmm. Brown Ale. People ain't lining, yeah. up, lining up to buy a Brown Ale. Um, I mean, we sell, we, we sell an okay amount of it, like enough of, enough of it to kind of keep making it, but it, it's that just because you, you make a great brown ale does not mean you start drawing brewery. Uh, well, so you got to market and you got to know what your customers want. And so it's hard. And, and then when you go out to sell these beers and, and you start getting people telling, you no, when you start opening up your untapped uh program and you start seeing everybody telling you how much your beer sucks and uh and all this stuff and it's like i mean it's it it wears on you and i I think there's too many and then they realize too just the day-to-day grind i mean you're you're hot you're dirty uh you get burned all the time you're you get cuts all the time you're i mean you're getting chemicals splashed in your face it is not a job for the faint of heart you know it's you know there's that show the dirty jobs it's it's definitely a dirty mm-hmm. job if you're looking if, if if you're the type of person who, who doesn't like to get dirty uh to work long hours to be away from your family i mean it's so we try to yeah, we try yeah. to get a, a terrible you know description of this industry that you know uh so it, so i guess that's part of the service that we uh that we offer people but it, so anyhow, I guess I rambled off on a tangent there, but anyhow, we, it, it's it's definitely not for the faint of heart. We try to be honest with the people that we work with, and um, yeah. it, 
So you should, you bet. So if you're going to go into it, you definitely you better want to get into it. You definitely you got to ask questions. If you can, if you have the time and the connections to to work in a, an operating brewery for a certain you know a significant amount of time, please do that. Um, it's just like you you got to see it up front. You got to see it behind the scenes and realize how hard it is. Um, if you if you if you if you if you see that and you still want to do it. Uh, we're 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 here to help you. Well, and I I think you you hit up on something where you go from beer as a hobby to beer as a product, where it's not um, it's not just Sir William Brown, which is you know a very excellent beer. I love that beer. I've had it many many times. It's anytime I'm I've been at that tap room, I know I'm going to get me some of that. Um, but it you move from Beer as the hobby to beer as the product when it's not just what your buddies like, but like is random dude going to pick your beer amongst all the other ones available, you know? And then also when you come back to like, you know, the, the brewing process, it is not, um, I, I think one of the things that has helped me out in, um, in craft beer is I never had the desire to be a brewer. Uh, I love home brewing, mm-hmm. but, um, and it's not that I don't like getting dirty. It's, not that I don't like doing hard work. Like I, I can do all those things. I've shoveled grain. Okay. I've done those things before. Um, but, um, I, when, when I've done that and then when I, when I remember I heard someone put it this way, um, he goes, you know, being a brewer is 90% janitor. And I was like, you know, I don't want to be a janitor. I've done janitorial style stuff. Nah, not my deal. You, know? you, you don't want to be the one that has to unclog the toilets, uh, at a busy day of the tap room. You know, you know what? I've had to do something like that before, and that was just as the tap room manager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, doing uh, yeah. Um, and so I, uh, you know, I like how you you tell people like, look, you got to know there's a whole lot to this that is not like like just your home bring. Also, scaling up a uh, a a recipe. Well, I've never done it personally. The, the thing that I've heard from everybody that's had to do that is like it's notoriously like things change as you scale oh, up really? and whether you you have the best, you know, pro brewer, you know, calculator, things like that. Once you get that first taste and you're like, oh, wait, oh, OK, so now and then you can start going to math. You know, OK, maybe I should have done the hops at that time, maybe I should have waited till later or earlier, or maybe this yeast doesn't attenuate the same way in a, you know, 10 gallon conical as it does in a, you know, uh, you know, 30 barrel fermenter, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's so much there. I love, how, no, I, I appreciate the rant um, because it just goes to show how much that, um, how much there is to making a beer um, and so, uh, we're, we're kind of running on the, on lower on the t- time here. Um, I try to, you know, I want to be respectful of your time. Um, but, uh, real quick, if you could give me a, who is contract brewing for, who is contract brewing not for, um, if someone's listening to this going, Oh, okay, let me, let me, who, give, if you give me just a quick, who is it for, who is it not for? Okay. Well, contract brewing, as I said before, is for, if, if you're an already existing brewery, uh, and you, and, and you just, over, you just outgrew your system and, and, and you know, that it's, in, that it, in, uh, one thing that's important with a growing brewery is like, if, when you make these relationships with, 
different stores, different, you know, bars and restaurants and stuff like that. You know, you, you, you want to keep the real estate that you've earned. So what I mean by real estate is like the shelf space at a, uh, at a total wine or, a, you know, or a taps and caps or the, like these different, you know, beer and wine type establishments or a grocery store. If you're lucky enough to get in a grocery store, the, keeping that shelf space is extraordinarily important because you could lose it. And it's done sometimes, uh, especially with, with stores that are uh, tend to be more corporate, it, it's sometimes it's hard to get those back. And, and yeah. same things with tap handles at a, at a restaurant or a bar, you know, you, if you get one, you, you do everything you can to hold on to it. Uh, but if you yeah. can't meet the demand, you could lose those and, and then it's hard to get back. They, they, they may not, uh, you may lose those relationships. So it's very important for you to make sure you keep that, um, that growth. And so if you, if you get to the point where the, the smaller brewery that you, you built is no longer big enough for you to meet that demand, um, then contract brewing is probably something you should be looking into, especially if you're not quite ready to, uh, you know, buy more tanks or build a bigger facility. Uh, so the contract brewing is that really good kind of stopgap uh, between, you know, different levels of growth in order for yeah. you to keep your demand. Because like you you don't make a lot of money contract brewing or doing off-chain proprietorship in, in most cases. Um, it's, it's more of kind of a stopgap to help you grow and get to the point where you need to be. Uh, yeah. So again, if you're, so if you've got an existing facility with a license, you know, and you, and you need to grow, but don't have the money to buy bigger equipment, then contract brewing is something that's probably for you. Okay. Um, unless you're a brew pub and brew pubs can't contract brew in the state of Texas, there are two primary brewers license. There is a production brewers license or manufacturing brewers license, which is what we have. And it's just, you know, it's what, you know, community and deep Ellum and mm -hmm. I think So some of these, you know, bigger, more established breweries out there, uh, that's what their license is. Now a brew yeah. pub is some of the smaller ones that where you can, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure Turning Point's a brew pub, yeah. uh, Celestial. I think Tups is uh, as well. And yeah, so any brewery that you've been able to buy beer to go from for the last few years, like before the law changed last year, mm -hmm. uh, if you can buy if you can buy kegs to go from that brewery, um, it, it's a likely a brew pub. Uh, but there's also yeah. like Union Bear is a brew pub and uh brain dead you know some of these just this, usually if it's a smaller brewery that that you know they've been able to buy growlers and stuff to go for a long time it's most likely brew pub but they they can't contract brew that's it's weird loss now for an if, for an alternating proprietorship so if you're so if you're a a brewer, uh, a longtime brewer, whether it's a production or professional brewer or home brewer, and you're like, I got a dream. I got, I got a, some really great beers, some brands. I got, mm -hmm. I got a little bit of money behind me from, you know, some friends and family investors. Like if you just, if you want to try to, you know, get that, you know, kind of get started, but you're, let's say you're not ready to do your brick and mortar brewery, mm -hmm. or maybe, I mean, you just don't quite have enough funds ready to, you know, to buy everything, uh, then maybe trying an alternating proprietorship is the right step for you. So what, so what that allows you to do is, so instead of having to come up with, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not, you know, a couple million dollars that it takes to open 
but a new brewery, you, you can, you know, start up a new brewery as a all chain and proprietorship for only a, a few thousand dollars. Yeah. So you can test your concept out and test your brands out to see if there's any kind of demand. Cause like you may think your beers are the you know best beers in the world. Your, your, your family and friends may have, you know, sold, you know, told you that your beer is great, mm-hmm. but you know, you start brewing it and your beer ends up, nobody's buying it. Then would you rather learn that lesson, you know, after you spent hundreds <laughs> the thousands or millions of dollars building a brewery or do you want to learn that lesson when you only you know maybe invested a couple grand in an all-chain proprietorship so it's kind of if you if you're you know kind of not don't quite have the money or if you're not sure of your concept then you know maybe take a shot at an alternating alternating proprietorship first and then you can and at that point too it's it's much easier to find if you do have a product that takes off then it's much easier to find investors at that point. You can do the crowdfunding, you can do the investor meetings where you can kind of get that capital. Cause when they see that, let's say you're, you know, you know, like a turning point brewery that, you know, has these really great hazy IPAs that everybody wants to line up for. And, you know, so you, you, you got these, this product out there and then you can tell these people that like, Hey, I need, I need my own space. Now, if you really want me to make more of this beer, then the people are going to start yeah. throwing money at you. Gotcha. So, gotcha. so if that's you, then that's so doing an alternating proprietorship at an existing brewery, that would be something for you. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, what about, I, I have this as kind of a, a dumb question. What about home brewers that really want to have a fun time? <laughs> that want to have a fun time? I mean, you can do it. Um, I mean, if, 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 I mean you, you better be, you better be okay not making any money. And, and I mean, if you, if you just got <laughs> some cash, that's burning a hole in your pocket, then, and if that's something you really want to do just to kind of impress your buddies, then, Hey, you mean, you, you can do that as well. I, I won't, I won't hold back. I, you know, I won't, uh, I won't tell you not to. And I, you know, if <laughs> I have space for you, you know, I might even be open to, to making that deal with you, but uh, I, I just, you just got to go in knowing that it's, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be hard. I want to be honest with you. So, uh, and it, and it may not always be as fun as you want, but if, but if you got an open mind, you got to, uh, if, if, if you're, if you're wealthy enough to handle it, then Hey, by all means, I mean, who am I to tell anybody what they can and can't do? Gotcha. Well, Matt, Brian, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate you, man. It has been so good talking to you. I've learned so much. Um, it is, it, this is one of those areas that I've always heard about. I've never had anyone to explain it with to me and, and just get those questions out. So I really appreciate that. And this is, uh, I know that this is a, a bigger part of the crappier story that I just has always eluded me. So really, I thank yeah. you for the time to explain that out. Um, is there anything you guys would, uh, you'd like to promote? Um, you know, I kind of give the last couple of minutes of the podcast to the guest. Um, you know, uh, I, I hear there's a brewery that you, you know about that you would probably like to tell people about. Um, is there a personal, you know, Instagram or anything like that where you want people to, to find you or find the brewery? Um, uh, the, the floor is yours. All right. Well, I appreciate it. So, uh, uh, as you know, I'm, uh, Brian with Hoppenstein Brewing Company. We're in Grapevine, Texas. Uh, we're the first stop on the uh, Tex Rail, uh, or I think we're the second stop from the Tex Rail uh, going towards Fort Worth from the airport. Uh, so so we're easy, easy access. 
to get to or grapevine is right in the middle of everything uh we're blocking a half off main street but uh yeah we got some exciting beers i mean i wish everybody could come to the brewery and tap room itself to to enjoy the beers there but you know unfortunately we're we're just beer to go at the moment uh but hopefully once we kick this covid thing we can all you know start visiting our favorite yeah. breweries and tap rooms and and you can come see us there but right now we have uh we have some couple new beers that have been on the market uh most recently we've had our our new Hefeweizen called Wiser Time. Uh, it's okay. a traditional Hefeweizen that we're really proud of. It's uh, We just sent our last batch of cans to the market this week, but we're putting a brand new batch down uh, next Thursday. So we we'll should have some fresh batch of cans if you, if you happen to miss out. Uh, we'll have our local 3113 Oktoberfest uh, being released at the end of the month uh, and we give proceeds of that beer to our local firefighters uh, benevolent fund uh, we also have a, a brand new IPA coming out at the end of the month called peel it back it's the second in our frog and scorpion limited IPA series uh, and then we also have the uh, our variation of the black is beautiful collaboration coming out uh, in oh, the next couple of weeks and okay great Great. No, no, I'm I'm really excited for all the brewers that are making that. Um, I've already picked up cans from Weather uh, Weathered Souls. I've got cans from uh, where else? Um, oh, Manhattan. No, wait, not Manhattan. Where I, where else I get cans from? Uh, I've got cans from Celestial coming. Um, now that I know that you guys are making it, I'll probably try to make a stop over there as well because uh, I really do want to try as many of the 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 breweries in the area, how they're interpreting that. So um, yeah. I love that you guys made that as well. Yeah. Oh, and we're about to release uh, a fresh batch of our um, bourbon barrel aged frigid on the world stout. We're uh, we'll be canning that on Tuesday. Uh, oh, so, right. so, so it's, it's, it's kind of unorthodox to release a barrel aged stout in the middle of summer, but that ours just happened to be ready. So um, and it's one of the more lighter, easier drinking uh, bourbon barrel stouts out there. So it's perfect for the summer. So if you want to, if you got to get that, uh, if you've got a thirst for that kind of style, then uh, ours is the the one for you. And then you, and then you can, you know, bide your time till all the, the big ones come out in the fall and winter. Gotcha. Um, and so, and you guys are, is it everything just hop and sting brewing on Instagram, on Facebook and all oh, of yeah, that? Uh, Instagram is at hop and sting. If you, if you go on there soon, you'll see me eating. I took the one chip challenge. You've seen those like, you know, oh, scorpion oh, oh, oh. potato oh, chips or tortilla chips. Two million skull bills. Someone gave someone dared me to do it. And then I did it. The, the video of me oh. on it uh, is on there. So feel free to watch that, have a laugh. I, I will um, check that out and, and pity you as I And I'm pretty sure Facebook is at Hop and Sting, and we're also on Twitter, and it's uh, at uh, it's a Hop and C, uh, which is, I'm not sure why our handle is that, but it just happens to be that. Uh, gotcha. So, yeah, that's us on social media. We're not very good at it, but, you know, bear with us till we are. <laughs> well, man. Brian, thank you again. Thank you so very much for this. I really appreciate the time. Um, I know that you, you're busy and that, you know, you've got ish to do and, you know, the beer is going to be got to get made and things like that. So um, I really appreciate you taking the time for this. It's really nice to, to be able to talk to you. Um, 
And uh, yeah, man, cheers. Um, I, I, oh, I just finished my, sorry, I've been taking back meds. I threw out my back a couple days ago, so I have not drank any beer. I was like, what can I drink with you? But um, I was drinking Tampu Chico, so. Um, hey, yeah, awesome. Chico. Oh yeah, that's great. Um, all right, boss. All right, man, I'll see you around. Bye. All right, you have a good night.